Welcome to the More Practice Profits Podcast, brought to you by your host, Lorcan O'Donnell, health business mentor and podiatrist. The podcast that is designed to help current and aspiring clinic owners make the most of their clinic, turning it into a true business that can work without them, allowing them the freedom to earn more, work less, and live a better life. Welcome to episode 112 of the More Practice Profits podcast with myself, Lorcan O'Donnell, health business mentor, clinic owner, and podiatrist. So the title of this podcast is The Top 10 Questions Asked by Clinic Owners, Part 2. So these are the second half of the questions that I've been asked by clinic owners this past year who are not clients of mine or weren't clients of mine when they asked the question. Um, And I thought they were the best questions to answer here in a podcast. So the sixth question. So if you haven't listened to the first five, go back and listen to that in episode 111. Um. Sixth question was how to get how do I get staff to come work for me? Now this has been a perennial question every single year. How do I get staff? Um, that clinic owners struggle to get staff or get the right staff, and really, it's, what you need to know is you need to know who you really want. So the mistakes that I see clinic owners making is that they will take anyone. Anyone who comes along who has insurance, who has qualifications, and who can start, they will take them. Um, and what's happening is they don't have any forward planning. They haven't pl- thought out well in advance of who they're trying to get, why, etc., etc. So when it does come time to recruit, it's a reaction as opposed to a forward plan that they have it, um, well in advance of the time or need to be recruiting. And They'll often find that they're holding on to people. They're recruiting people that aren't the right fit. They know when they recruit them that this is just not the right person. Or they're holding on to someone uh, well after the time that they find out that this is not the right person to have in my clinic. For fear that if they do let them go or they push them out or encourage them to leave or whatever, that they're not going to be able to get anyone else because their recruitment is so bad. And you've got to start with knowing who you really want. If you're not really clear on who you want, how are you going to know when you meet them? Once you know that, then what it allows you to do is it allows you to figure out, well, what is it that they really want? Because you need to design a job. If you think about it, if you want your ideal candidate coming to you and you wanted them to come to work for you, you're going to have to design that job, that package in such a way that it attracts them. So you need to know who it is and then what it is that they want. And then you've got to design a package that basically is one that's a no-brainer for them. Now, Money. Let's talk money first. Now, you'll find a lot of people will say to you, look, money's not as important as you think, etc., etc. Money is important. Don't be fooled by anybody who comes along to you and says in an interview, money's not, not that important to you. Obviously, what we're not looking for is for someone who's only interested in money. But money is massively important. And at the end of the day, it can be the reason things break down. But you also need to consider other parts of the package. And you need to make sure when you're designing and and advertising this job that you're advertising the other parts of the package. Now, what I've noticed a lot happening recently is that clinic owners are adding other parts into the package like CPD, mentorship, and all that kind of stuff. And then when it actually comes to it, they don't deliver any of that or they deliver, deliver really poor quality extras in the packaging. So you need to design it the way the person you really want wants it, and you got to deliver it in that such a way. 
And be mindful that money is important. Neither should you throw money at the problem. I would be against the idea that you should necessarily always be the best payer, per person to pay because you'll often find and you'll attract the wrong type of people, the type of people who are only interested in money and you'll never be able to satisfy them long term. The second question that I um, have, uh, number seven, is how do I know my marketing is working? Well, that's pretty simple. You've got to know your ROI. Your ROI means return on investment. So what does that basically mean? What that means is that if I spend £100 on marketing, newspaper ad, Google ad, whatever it is you wanted to say, if I spend £100, how much money did I make back? And if I spend £100 and I make back 90 well, then that's not really going to work, is it? If I spend £100 and I make £200, well, then that marketing is working. And it end of the day, it is a numbers game. So how do you know your marketing is working is you know your numbers. You are all over your numbers and you do it in such a way that you have it in real time. You can't take clicks. You can't take impressions. You cannot take likes to the bank. You can only take cold, hard cash. And if you're doing marketing or someone's doing marketing for you and that's what they're showing you, you got this many clicks or impressions or likes or views, that's a load of bullshit. What you need to know is how much actual cash did I put in the bank from that spend. Secondly, you need to make sure that you're doing strategy, not just tactics. You strategy first. So strategy essentially is well, how, what's the whole concept? How is this going to work, et cetera, et cetera. And the tactics is how you actually deliver the marketing. So um, if you want more um, information on any of this, then obviously you can go and you can have a listen to our other podcast where we deal with a lot of these issues in more detail. But ROI, knowing your numbers is exactly what you need. And with my own coaching clients, my private coaching clients, that's exactly what we do. And we have a marketing system that we can help them implement that delivers this to them in a dashboard uh, in an automated fashion that um, they can see this, uh, they can see their ROI at a click of a switch so that they can make quick and timely decisions on what to turn up, what to turn off, and what to turn down. Question number eight is, should my next hire be an associate or an employee? Well, the answer to that is, it depends. Now, my personal preference in most occasions is to have an employee. The advantage of having an employee is that they are more likely to do what you need them to do. They are on a set wage and are not overly concerned or, or uh, going to be worried that they're not getting work because it's going somewhere else. Um, the disadvantage, obviously, of having employees, you've got to pay them. No matter what happens, if you've no patience or nothing, you've got to pay, pay them. Whereas an associate, if there's no patience, if you're quiet, you don't have to pay them as much. And it is a it is a safety net, I suppose you might call it. However, as you get busier, they'll make more money and you won't necessarily get all of the fruits or, or the rewards of your um, effort you've put in. So it depends. It depends really on what's best for your clinic. You may well end up in a situation, as some of my clients have, where you have a mix of associates and employees, but it entirely depends on works best, what works best for your business. Question number nine, the penultimate question. How do I get a good price when it comes time to sell? Now, no matter what age you are, and you're listening to this, or how long you have your clinic, at some time, you're going to have to retire or stop working. Um, unless you die young, obviously, which we don't want. But you're going to, at some point, going to have to stop. And what you need to make sure you're doing is that you're getting the best possible outcome for yourself uh, when it 
comes time to do so. What you don't want to do is what happens to 85% of small businesses is that they simply close their doors and nobody wants to buy their business and all of the work, 20, 30, 40 years of work is for naught as nobody will take over the business. And what you want to do to make sure this happens is you want to make sure that you, your clinic is not all about you. So what I mean by this is that you're not, their business does not depend on you. So does this describe you? If you take holidays, the turnover in your business is significantly reduced. Uh, every time there's a decision that needs to be made, a significant decision, it has to run by you. Every time there's a complaint, every uh, you have to be the one to deal with the ultimate complaint, etc., etc. What I mean is that your business and you are an integral part of each other, and the business simply could not survive without you. If this is the case, then you're not going to be able to sell that business in any way or shape or form like you would if that was not the case. Because the business is so heavily dependent on you, if you're not there, is there even a business? So what you, what you want to do is make sure that you push the business to a position where it's not about you. That you systemize the business so that to the, to the extent that should you just walk out the door tomorrow and not come back for two or three months, the business will run without you. That is a way you're going to maximize um, the price when it comes to sell. You obviously want to make sure that you maximize the profits in between so that you're making it as profitable as possible because it is based on profits as well. Um, it's the multiple of profits that will be determined by how much you're dep it's depending on you for the business. So what I mean by this is if you have a business that doesn't really require your input a whole lot or you are not don't have to be there at all, you're going to get far higher um, multiples of profit than you would if it was a business that was highly dependent on you. Um, you want to make sure you have clear and true accounts that you don't have cash under the table that you can think you can put back in because that's not going to work. You need your accounts to be squeaky clean so when some of the buyer comes along and sees it, it is pretty clear to them and to their accounting team that this is exactly what's happening. And you need to have long-term planning in effect. So you need to think that if it comes to the situation where you're going to retire or sell, have I thought well in advance, years in advance, structured my business in such a way to maximize my um, return might and it's as tax efficient as I can make it. For example, um, in Ireland, and I know it's the same in the UK, if you sell your business, uh, it's a limited company, you sell before the age of 65, you can uh, claim retirement relief, which gives you a significant um, amount of money to take out of the business at the sale at limited or no tax. If you have not thought of this well in advance and not structured your business to do this, you're going to lose out on this potential income that you could get. Okay, so the last question. The last question, um, I had this sent to me earlier this year by um, someone who's a client now. And it was, is it the same for everyone else? I'm working 50 hours a week, treating patients, uh, spend evenings and weekends on paperwork and feel pulled in every direction. I make pretty good money, but it's exhausting. Is this normal? Or is it just me? Now, unfortunately, it is very, very common. What tends to happen is we tend to open our own clinic. We're pretty good at uh, getting patients to come in. We fill our own diary. But the business becomes so heavily dependent on us to, um, for cash flow to generate the income, especially if you take on staff and they're depending on you to pay their wages, pay their rent, etc., that you find that you end up, and I have been in this situation, that you end up, as if you're on a hamster wheel um, and there's not enough return for all of the effort that you're putting in. 
and you can't really see a way out. Unfortunately, this is incredibly common with clinic owners. And I th- don't think a lot of people who don't own a clinic, maybe employees, recognize that this is the case, that it is a very stressful situation to be in. It's an exhausting situation. And for a lot of clinic owners, it leads to um, anxiety, um, depressive type uh, symptoms, and ultimately burnout. It does not need to be this way. Uh, it is possible to build a business that delivers you a better quality of life. Um, and that's what I talk about here in these podcasts. If you're looking for more information on this, go back and listen to some of the podcasts here. Um, they're completely free and they will give you excellent information on how you can move away from this position to one such as clients of mine have moved to where they're now not actively treating patients unless they really want to. They're making more money and they have a very happy staff with patients who are getting great quality of care. Now, if that's something you like to look like the sound of, and would love to have happen to your business, well, then I'd love to be able to have a conversation with you to see, can we help you? Uh, no hard sell. That's not how we do it. Um, simply reach out to us or go to our website, morepracticeprofits.com, fill in the form requesting a triage call, and we'll have a 10 or 15-minute conversation to see if we think we can help you. If we think we can help you or a good fit for each other, then we'll take it to the next step. If not, then we will... Um, point you in the right direction, tell you where we think you should go to get help because there are always people out there who can help you. I may not be the right person for you, but I'll certainly tell you where I think you should go. So until next week, this is Lorca Dunla, health business mentor, clinic owner and podiatrist uh, signing out.